Welcome to Move Like This, brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and Sapro. On this podcast, we share ideas and hear from guests about how they find, retain, develop, and advance women and other underrepresented groups in their accounting firms. Now, on to our guest. Today on Move Like This, I am honored to be talking to Corinne LaRoche. She is the nonprofit partner with James Moore and Company in Florida. James Moore has been participating in the Accounting Move Project for a while, and I am excited to get her perspective and talk to her a little bit about the firm and just have a great conversation. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Bonnie. I'm excited to be here. So with women at 48% of partners, James Moore has nearly reached parity a benchmark that very few firms have achieved. Mm -hmm. What steps have you taken to reach equity leadership and what policies do you have in place to ensure that it remains that way? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, And it's actually the reason why I chose to work here. When I interviewed with James Moore Company, I interviewed with three women and every other firm I interviewed with, I interviewed with three men. Mm -hmm. And it was definitely something I noticed right from the beginnings. It was a it was a huge uh, consideration from when I was trying to decide where I wanted to work coming out of school. You know, this is an interesting question because initially my thought was like, well, we don't really have a lot of formal policies regarding women in particular. Parity and, and equity, I think, are very baked into the culture of our firm, certainly. But I do think, you know, the more I thought about it, I, I think we do have policies that have allowed for that to happen. So I think about, for example, our core hours policy. So we have core hours from nine to four, meaning we like for people to be kind of online available um, between those hours. But it does give people flexibility, for example, to drop kids off at school in the morning, something like that. So I do think that is a thing that might seem small, but does help a working mom or dad for that matter. But it gives parents flexibility. And, you know, something that gets talked about a lot is both parents having flexibility helps women, right? So I think that policy has helped a lot. Um, And I have heard from a lot of working moms, you know, there are a lot of people that say, hey, I'm going to be on at nine. I got to drop the kids off, something like that. We also have hybrid work schedules, which are becoming more common, but we've had them for a long time. It allows, you know, more increased flexibility. Flexibility is important. You know, I know a lot of people want to work maybe even like 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. and they can be off when their kids get home from school, that type of thing. And then we even have some people who work like four days a week. So they, because they want to spend more time with their kids, more time with their family, things like that. So I do think the general flexibility that we have has helped with some of that, create some of that parity. You know, we we have a partner who, you know, t- took her time to raise her kids and then went on the partner path, you know, subsequent to that. So I think there's just a lot of different flexibility in making your career look like what you want it to look like and not really having the standard by the box. This is the path you follow and there's that one path type of mentality. I think that is consistent across the board with firms that are able to recruit and retain more women. Hit on the word flexibility. If your best work time is, I don't know, 3 p.m. to 
midnight. As long as your clients have the access they need to you and you're getting the work done, does it matter as right. much as, you know, forcing people to fit into this schedule that probably was somehow arbitrarily created in the first right. place? So I, I love to hear that that is happening. And actually across the industry, I love to see that Mm -hmm. more firms are embracing that type of flexibility. Another area where James Moore has been more successful than some other firms is at hiring and retaining remote workers mm -hmm. and ensuring that they feel as much a part of the firm as those that come to the office in person every day. So there seems to be intentionality to this based mm -hmm. on what I've read and conversations I've had with people at your firm. What practices have you incorporated to make this happen so well? Yeah, we have become very intentional in our practices around our remote people and our remote culture. We've become aware that it's just so critical to the success of our firm. Our percentage of remote employees keeps growing and we have actually started treating our remote team as their own office. So, you know, we have our Gainesville office, our Daytona office, et cetera, um, and we have our remote office and they have their own culture committee, just like each, you know, brick and mortar office does. And their culture committee decides on activities that they want to do as a team. They have remote happy hours. They've had like a remote wine tasting, cooking classes, things like that. And it allows them to like bond as a team. Right. And so it really does make it an intentional like, hey, we are the remote team, we are the remote office. And even though we don't all live in the same state, we do feel like, you know, we're a team and we know each other and we're facing the same issues and kind of struggles and things from day to day. So I think that's really helped. I think another thing that has really helped us is even prior to COVID and prior to the big like boom and hiring remotely, we were always very intentional about operating as one firm between offices. And we did a lot of cross office work. So I think we've been comfortable for a while, just like working with people, quote unquote, like remotely, like online. So I've been for five plus years working with staff members in other offices, and I'm very comfortable with hopping on a Teams call or what, what have you and, and getting to know people not physically present in my office. So I think we already like we were a lot more open to that transition than a lot of firms were who were so dependent on that in-person office model that really worked at silos because we were just working across offices all the time. Like it was pretty normal for us. So it wasn't that big of a stretch to then jump to working with somebody in Texas because I was already working with somebody in Tallahassee. So it, it wasn't too different. I'd love to hear that. As a firm that has participated in MOVE for quite a few years and is doing so in 2023, how do you feel your participation supports your firm goals, particularly in terms of attracting and retaining women? I think it's huge. I mean, I, we use it in all of our recruiting materials, website proposals, everything like that. Like it's definitely something that people want to see. And surprisingly, it's not something that I see other firms, at least in our local area, still like representing themselves as like, hey, you know, like we're diversity and equity and is really like important to us. But I think that's something that 
accounting students and really anybody who wants to work someplace, it's important to them. Like it's become a really mainline topic of discussion in our culture today, besides the fact that, you know, we really do believe in it and we think it's the right thing to do, which is, you know, the the bottom line reason why we do it. It's also something that we feel sets us apart from some of our competitors when it comes to recruiting and retention, because there's still a lot of firms that really aren't doing it um, and who don't see it as something that's important. And to us, it's critical. And I think People who are looking for a place to work think it's critical. So I feel like it really shows that we are different and we are someplace where you want to work because we do have a commitment to these type of values and to helping women and people of color and other diverse identities to moving up the corporate ladder. In addition to that, and I, I've had many conversations that where it's the right thing to do is not necessarily the driving factor. Yeah. Uh, There are study after study that shows companies of all sorts with more diverse people or types of thought, people from different walks of life with different histories, you know, race on and on and on that the more diverse that your employees are and particularly your leadership team is the Mm -hmm. more profitable you tend to be, the better Better decision makers, you're able to look at things from multiple points of view because you literally have multiple points of view at the table. Totally. Yeah. Better performance, better innovation, better quality product services, everything. I agree. Definitely. There there are many reasons for it. And I haven't heard a whole lot of reasons, uh, good ones at least, against (laughs) There's no good reasons against it, I agree. (laughs) With up to 30% fewer students pursuing accounting degrees, firms are fishing in a depleting pool for talent Mm -hmm. to continue meeting client needs. What are you doing at James Moore to become an employer of choice for these students that are in such high demand outside of what we've already talked about? Sure. So I kind of have like a two-part answer this question. So I'll directly answer your question first. I would say we always do our best to be an employer of choice. You know, we strive to set our firm apart, like I said, by our culture. I think every firm would answer that question that way, right? Like, you know, we set ourselves apart by our culture, but you have to walk the walk on that. You can't just talk to talk. Anybody can put on our website, we have a great firm culture, but what does that actually mean? You know, for us in the last year or so, We've implemented an employee wellness plan that we, you know, have gotten feedback from employees on and helped an employee led committee that kind of has helped design it and implement it, which I think makes us more attractive. All the large firms have it. So I think as a mid-sized firm that's trying to grow, that's important for us to have. We also try to be an early implementer of like new technology, new workplace policies, like all the flex work options that we've been talking about. We've been doing summer Fridays for a couple of years now, and we continue to explore more options like that, right? You know, we don't, we don't ever want to be the last one, like to get on board with something. We're a little more risk-taking, I guess, in that area, um, because we want to make sure that we're positioning ourselves as an innovative firm that's willing to do things that our employees want um, rather than kind of lagging behind the curve in that regard. So I think that's one way that we do that. I think my second answer, though, 
is that I don't think this accounting student situation is going to change anytime soon. I've been doing a lot of talking (laughs) to professors, deans on this. It's been like a real topic of conversation lately. So another thing we've been talking about a lot in our partner group, our leadership group, is like, what does the workforce of the future look like? And trying to figure out how we can shape our talent pool to look like that. And where can we go besides the standard university career showcase to get our talent? And I think that is going to be really key within the next couple of years to figure that out and really hiring those non-accounting student type of talent people and figuring out how they can be valuable contributors to our firm. Um, And we're starting to do that some, you know, we've internally transition some people who don't have accounting degrees and are kind of working their way up through, you know, accounting clerk levels and different things like that. And it it works really well. You know, if you can identify people who are smart, who learn quickly, who are easily trained, we can train them and they do a great job. So we're trying to figure that out for sure. I think that's going to be a challenge facing firms within the next few years here. Yeah, I've heard this from a number of firms talking about there are plenty of jobs within a firm that doesn't require a CPA. Right. And why not have really smart people? Again, that brings different perspectives and experience and ideas on services that the firm may be able to offer that they may not have thought about before. I'm Mm -hmm. putting on my marketing hat a little bit here, but there's no reason for us to be as rigid, I think, Mm -hmm. as we have Mm -hmm. in the past. And it could be that some of these people that you're hiring that aren't necessarily CPAs, maybe one day they will want to go back to school Mm part-time to finish that fifth year to sit for the CPA exam. Uh, Not everybody can afford to do that in their late teens and twenties or want to take on that amount of debt, you know, which brings up a whole other issue. I think those that are willing to, I hate the phrase, think outside the box, but those Mm -hmm. that are willing to say, okay, here's the work that needs to be done. This is the pool that's available to us. How are we going to make that work? Yep. And I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people that may not have had opportunities in the past. And that's exciting to me. Yeah, I think so too. I think it is exciting. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for people to excel. You know, I think it's going to be an interesting and fun time for a lot of our people who maybe have been, you know, in an admin position for a long time and they're like a superstar. And we're like, hey, you know, do you want to try something new? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And see how they do. Yeah, I would think most people... There's that small group out there that just wants to do the same thing over and over and over again. But I think giving people opportunities to pursue different things, learn different things is also a retention strategy. Mm -hmm. So you don't necessarily have to go out and find somebody to do that job. Give people within your firm opportunity to pursue some of these different roles that you may not have necessarily thought of them for in the past. I I love innovation like this. So what advice do you have for other firms that are looking to expand their talent pipeline and particularly attract women and a more diverse workforce? I love this question. I could probably talk forever on this question. Diversity, equity, inclusion is definitely a a passion of mine. I think there's just so much more that we could be doing in the, in this profession, especially in this area. You know, women have definitely started to make a lot of headway in the CPA profession. There's still a long way to go. 
but I think when we especially look at some of the other areas, you know, people of color, LGBTQ individuals, other diverse identities, the progress has been a lot slower, especially at leadership levels, like you mentioned, which is really critical, um, is getting diversity at those leadership levels. So I think the first and easiest thing to do is just to talk about it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to mention it. The tone at the top of the organization, it's it sounds like a cliche, but I really think it makes a big difference for people to feel comfortable and feel like they can belong in an organization if it's it's being talked about and saying like, yeah, this is something that's important to us. It is something that we care about and it is something that we want to do. We want you to succeed because ultimately, you know, it's really hard walking into an organization and feeling like you're one of one or one of two, you know, that's, that's really tough. Um, And just recognizing that and speaking to that, I think can go a long way. Secondly, I think mentoring programs are crucial. You know, a lot of firms have mentoring programs, but maybe just looking at them and evaluating them and seeing how can we make these a little better? How can we make these a little more impactful, especially for people with diverse identities? You know, how can we really help them feel like they can bring their authentic self to work every day? Because that's a complaint that I hear a lot from people who, you know, women, people of color, et cetera. Um, They might feel like they have to quiet certain parts of themselves because it makes other people around them uncomfortable. And then last, I would say, you know, just like review policies and procedures, obviously your pay structure, and then maybe like your health benefits for any signs of implicit bias. It's not that it's anything intentional, but it may be there without any intention on your part. So just taking the time to go through and look at that and even just letting people know like, hey, we've done this evaluation on all of our bringing in a third party and saying, hey, they've looked at this and this is something that we're really committed to. I think it shows people like, oh, wow, like they're really committed to this. And this is something that they're putting time and effort and money behind. I think that goes a long way. And I would add to that pay equity audits too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not just benefits, but and a lot of times it is not an intentional thing. Like you said, right. it's unconscious, but there's reasons why there are laws being put in place now where you have to list the salary range for a job, or you can't ask what was your salary in your last position. Right. right. Because a lot of times that just exacerbates pay inequities that exist and then just makes them so much worse. Yes. Uh, so I would definitely, and I've talked to a few accounting firms that have gone through this initial process and then have gone through the second process to make sure the changes they made are Mm -hmm. having an impact. And it really is creating a more equitable pay environment. And that's not to say that everybody with the same title gets paid the same thing, regardless of their responsibility or their tenure or something. But there's a lot of inequities out there that are purely based on what that person was making in a previous position Mm -hmm. or who did the hiring. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I would definitely say that. And I'm with you on the whole mentoring program. Mm -hmm. And I think mentoring is something that firms have embraced, but there oftentimes what you find is people are simply more comfortable with people that look like them Mm -hmm. or have similar backgrounds Yeah, and mixing up that program. So both the mentor and the mentee 
can learn from each other. And yeah. sometimes that requires a couple of uncomfortable conversations, mm-hmm. but if your heart is in the right place, that's a great thing. Yeah. Nobody wow. likes to be uncomfortable, but if that can move a needle forward in a great way, then it's definitely worthwhile. Oh yeah. And just like, you know, something as simple as like making sure the people who are mentors, like want to be mentors and like are invested in the program and aren't just doing it. Cause it's like, Hey, you got assigned to be a mentor. And they're like, Oh, again, one more thing I have to do, you know? And it's like, that's the worst experience for somebody coming in is like a mentor who just like doesn't want to deal with them or doesn't have time for them. So making sure that the people who are doing that want to do it and that they're getting valued for it. Cause that could be another issue is maybe they're like, well, I'm only getting valued for my chargeable hours and this mentoring time that I'm having to spend so much time on isn't being valued. So maybe there's some kind of value alignment that needs to be done there. Yeah. I've had conversations with, in particular, Black women in leadership and accounting firms who are given a lot of mentoring responsibility. Mm-hmm. Some of it is from the right place and from thinking, oh, well, this this young Black woman probably wants to have a young Black leader as their mentor, which may or may not be true and should be a question that gets asked. But these are women who really do want to help out the next generation but like you said, they've got a certain chargeable mm-hmm. number of hours that they need to get. And they have clients they need to take care of. So I feel like in some cases, there's additional responsibility put on um, people of different identities. And you have to be careful not to swing the pendulum too far one way or the other. And to really look at this from a as equitable uh, position as you can. Yes, absolutely. It's like, you, you know, like you said, People may feel more comfortable with someone who looks like them, but if there's already less of those people, then you can't just assign every Black woman who comes into the one Black woman who works for you already. It's like, okay, this is part of the problem, you know, you're overburdening this person who already is facing additional struggles just because of her identity, which isn't fair. So that's part of the problem. And let's figure out a way just for everybody to be comfortable instead, you know, if everybody should be able to mentor that person. Right. And I love the idea too, and I've seen this happen in the best of mentor relationships is both the mentor and the mentee learn a lot Mm -hmm. from the experience. And our younger people that are coming into firms have a lot to add. Everybody has something that they can contribute. So let's pull all that knowledge as much as possible for the betterment of each individual and also the firm as a whole. I have a few closing questions that are much more, let's just say laid back in general. (laughs) (laughs) When you were five years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, this is really lame, but I wanted to be a weather girl. I was obsessed with like the local news and the weather girl was like, she was it. That's what I wanted to be. That's fun. Now, are you originally from Florida? I am. I'm from the Tampa Bay area. I'm from Lakeland. Okay. Yeah. So we were probably watching the same weather girls. (laughs) And yeah, in Florida, the weather can be really erratic. So actually the, the meteorologist is an important person. (laughs) Yeah. There was a very like big hurricane. I like the first, one of my first things I remember being like around in kindergarten, maybe late preschool and like just watching the coverage was like, wow, it's so exciting. Yeah. Growing up in central Florida as a child, I always thought that hurricanes were fun, 
because all our friends and family from the coast that <laughs> needed to evacuate would come and hang out at our house. So as a kid, it was just like a big party. <laughs> yeah. We got to camp out inside. It's fun. Yeah. So if you were given the chance to travel anywhere for free, don't have to worry about time off, none of that, where would you go and why? That's so hard. I love to travel. I would probably have to pick somewhere new that I haven't been. Maybe like Australia and New Zealand because it's like so far away that I would want to like take a long time and just like explore the whole whole thing. I, that would be really fun. That's on my bucket list too. Yeah. Um, I just don't like the idea of a flight that long, but yeah, that would be tough. But once you get there, it's like, man, I would want to stay a long time once I got there. So oh yeah, like a month off and just explore everything. I love that idea. And if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Definitely fly or like teleport something like that. I could just get anywhere wherever I wanted to be like that. I have to tell you, I've had this, I think this is maybe my sixth or seventh recording and I think that's shown up in half of them. Yeah. We're Um, we're too logical, us accountants. We're like, I just want to be able to go wherever I want. Well, and so (laughs) traffic. Yeah. Yeah. I live in Atlanta. So let me tell you, if I could teleport, the amount of time I would save is, I could do all kinds of amazing things with it. I would definitely go to Australia if I could teleport. That would be awesome. Oh, yes. Okay. We're going to combine <laughs> these questions now. I like it. Thank you so much for being here today, Corinne, and telling us about James Moore and offering your advice and your input. I find it to be invaluable and love having these conversations. So I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you. I had a great time. Thank you for listening to Move Like This. Brought to you by the Accounting Move Project and sponsored by Moss Adams and SACPRO. If you'd like to learn more, visit our website at accountingmoveproject.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues too. I'm your host, Bonnie Buell-Russick, and until next time, keep moving forward.